yo, you and Javante, y'all were some crazy ass niggas on that call. Bro. <laughs> like a three hour conversation. <laughs> so, this is Javante. I meet Dan Joven. How you doing, Javante? My brother, the incomparable Dan Joven, shall we say. <laughs> How are you, brother, man? Thanks Good, for spending, man. Thanks for spending this time with us, brother. Just, thank you. Thank you for having me, man. This is great. No. What you do is great, so you know it's not. Uh, it's just having you on the show, brother. Like, let me walk you through my emotions when I was. Uh, it's hilarious, Dan. <laughs> I roll out of bed because we're all on different time zones, and you were well into your day since you're on the East Coast, I, yeah. as I've been told. And uh, I wake up. The first thing I see is my phone. I'm not trying to see my phone first thing, but. It was right there in that position. So I roll over and I see Verb. Verb's already open. And I see Adam Sandler's face. <laughs> we just had a dope-ass meeting. I see Adam Sandler's face, man. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I see his name by his face. And I'm like, well, lots happened in 24 hours. I'm sorry, nine hours. Right. And uh, then I hear the voice. I hear Adam Sandler's voice and I pay attention to detail. This wasn't just a happy Gilmore, Adam Sandler. He was younger then. This was a weathered seasoned. I'm smoking a plethora of doobie from that moment until now. Adam Sandler voice. I heard all of it. And I was like, wow, this has to be the 55 year old Adam Sandler. How, how old he is. I'm not sure. Lo and behold, <laughs> lo and behold, it was Dan. Listenership, it was Dan Joven the whole damn time. But we have we haven't started recording yet, T. So do you like? But the the funny thing about that is like even when you sent me your email, I was like because it's so it was so believable, and I didn't want to believe. Right, the political my political mind was like, okay, this is one of the greatest bullshitters I've ever met, but I'm loving this bullshit, right? But then. <laughs> You send me the email and I'm like, maybe Adam Sandler has like a fake name email address. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you totally messed with me. You know what I'm So it was just. That's funny. That is funny. <laughs> uh, but T, I did want to go ahead and give you the honor of opening up the show with the music. Welcome to everybody. You know what I'm saying? Starting it off. So just let me know when you're ready and I'll press my button. We was just kind of shooting shit, just getting comfortable with each other before the show. Okay. I have a tune. So let me find that too. No, you do. And I know you. And I'll play us in. You guys can see. Dan, what you don't know is that ninety-eight percent of my playlist is his playlist anyway, because he sends me all my music via <laughs> Apple iTunes. So since he's here, I'm like, you might as well just do what you do. <laughs> you guys are naturals. You know yeah. what? You're in New York, right? Yeah. Okay, we'll do that. Oh, what do you got? Right, little, count me in first. Do three, two, one, so I can press the fucking record button. Yeah, mine's Don't been just pressed. Yeah, see. Anyways, this is going to be Karate Freeze. This is Action Bronson. You've heard of Action Bronson, right? Mm -hmm. Out of mm -hmm. Flushing. Okay, mm -hmm. out of Flushing Queens. So mm -hmm. we're going to do that. Three, two, one. Action Ross in the building. We're gonna get right into it, man. We need Woo! to, you know, everybody that comes up here gotta gotta rock it. So I'm a rapper. Cooking so, so, so. 
We got another one. Yo, queen shit, outdoorsman shit. Yo, hey yo, she bent over in the mirror taking pictures. Crew a bunch of dykes and some Puerto Rican strippers. From Bridgewood, she did a thing just like a bitch should. But in the morning started burning, I can't piss good. I cleared it up, throw the diver scallop serum. Seven grams of fuzzy in the palm of Peter serum. The Rocketeer, out in Switzerland, we poppin' there. Mulatto babies, cause you know that I'm a chocolatier. Hayes galore, Asian on the carpet. From the land, not from the market. Plus, roll consecutively. Whoever really thought this motherfucker destined to be this type of style on the We're mic. back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to I Mean Podcast and the Jazzy Comedy Show. You know how we do things here. Shout out to Karate Freeze, the name of the track. Action Bronson. East Coast Connect. Watch this video, by the way. This shit's hilarious. Karate Freeze. Shout out to Cook and Souls, the architects of the soundscape here. And it's going to be plenty of moments, ladies and gentlemen, listenership. You're going to have the verb, all of this shit. It's going to be quite a bit of moments here on this podcast because the guest that we have today, I'm going to let my brother from another, JC, introduce. This is all him. Hopefully, everyone's safe and sound. Healthy yeah, the comedy show, bitch. And nothing less than that. Oh shit. Welcome to the motherfucking Jazzy Comedy Show. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Back in the building with motherfucking Travanti Waller, Monkey D. Travanti on the I Mean Podcast. JC Rowe, your host, giving you the most from the Jazzy Comedy Show. And we have a beautiful guest, a voice actor, the honorable, the intelligent, the exquisite, the smoking mirrors, Dan motherfucking Joven in the building. <laughs> that Wow. Right, well, let me get my wife over here to hear that. that was <laughs> Jot this I down. Have no idea we have for y'all bro like the thing is about Dan Joven I want y'all to verb us on both the I Mean podcast and the Jazzy Comedy Show podcast based on if you can tell when Mr. Joven is kicking it with his friends in the living room and he there he's having his friends talk on the show or when he's talking on the show in person <laughs> his friends well I put $50 on it you can't tell the difference between him and his homies in the room but y'all gonna have to verb me to get your money and uh you got to send me a cash app. You know what I'm saying? And his cash app is at the bottom of the fucking description. So uh, there's that. <laughs> this bet is on. This bet is on. And you know, of course, you got to cash at me $100 first before I bet you 50 so I can make sure you're a legit person. So that's just like a little insurance payment on the bet. I live in Kentucky. I was like the Kentucky Derby. You pay your bet, then you insure the bet, then you double down on the bet. Then you get the bookie to put the money in. Never mind. That's too much game for y'all. y'all that's ain't way too to much, man. Not for free. <laughs> not, not for free, bro. <laughs> Dan Joven, welcome. What, how you doing, brother? What's good? Good, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me. This is great. I love it. Love it. Man, I'm truly honored to have you, brother. Like, you blew our minds. You you, you literally knocked our socks off. You had Javante socks off his feet in L.A., my socks off my feet in Oakland, and we were twinkling like little girls when your friend Adam Sandler called us in the morning. So that just was like... <laughs> It just blew it just blew a motherfucking mind. I thought I thought we were like in the big leagues and then you reminded us that we were still a little shrimp in the sea trying to make it. I'm totally okay with that. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna work our way up this mountain. 
Well, uh, let me tell you something right now. I think everything's going to work out just fine on this show. And I love you guys. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> Listenership. Like, if we don't have Adam Sandler on the air right now with us, I don't know who in the fuck has Adam Sandler on the air with us right fucking now. You feel me? Like, so you got to talk to us about, uh, you do this voice acting. What stirred up the voice acting? Is it a certain demographic of voices that you that you fuck with because it's, like, familiar? Do you, like... Talk, just talk to us a little bit about the whole skill set because my voice is already weird and raspy and this is all it does. It doesn't sing. It doesn't do anything incredible. It's just present. So for somebody who does have like muscle fluctuation of the voice, you got to enlighten us dumb voice people on how, you know what I'm saying, we can become better in our game. You feel me? <laughs> well, I, you got a cool voice. You got a smooth voice. But I, for me, I always, I always think it came from when I was a kid, my, uh, well, I, I'm half Puerto Rican and my father, my mother's Puerto Rican and my mother, my father's Yugoslavian from Serbia. So, you know, my whole, my whole shtick, my, my joke is I'm, I'm a Yugo Rican, you know, that's, <laughs> there's like, there's like 15 of us on the planet, you know, yeah, I was like, say, when was they fucking bro? Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy, like, my mother came here from Puerto Rico and she was teaching a class to foreigners on how to speak English. And he was in there with his same blue suit on every class, you know, just <laughs> and he fell in love with the teacher. So but the, the barbecue, like the characters between the two were so different. Like these uncles, I had uncles coming in the barbecue on the Puerto Rican side with like speakers ready to blast the merengue music. And then these other dudes, these Vikings, like on the other side, like like eating cigarettes you know like like i was like what is gonna happen here these guys this is so different but everybody got along great but i saw so many different characters and accents i think this is where i started to like pick up on you know voices and then and then like uh when i was in high school i think i started i picked up on uh john travolta and from saturday night fever when he was playing uh tony monero I picked up on that. I, I was fascinated with that character. I thought yeah. that he was like, he wasn't even acting. He became that dude. Yeah. And, you know, and, and he was just so, so, you know, you know, cause he would talk like, you know, it's crazy. You know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, it's not just about dancing that movie. I think everybody should just watch it because it's crazy how, you know, it went into like life. It wasn't just about dancing. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so, wow. Went from there and, but I think like I'm, I'm pretty versatile, you know, I can go to different, uh, different things, I think because of my, from what my, my background. So I, I can go, I can, I got a wide range. Definitely. Yeah. Hey, Puerto Rican and Yugoslavian, you mixing like red velvet cake with Brussels sprouts, you know, like, <laughs> I don't know which one is, but it is, you don't think that they go together and then, you, you I know, know, I know, great. <laughs> it did the totally. chicken and waffles thing. That shit ain't supposed to go together, but I believe you, me, they were made to go together. It yeah. was alchemy. You know what yeah. I mean? Just out. And then you're in New York, so you got this natural, like, New York gangster voice anyway, like, coming out of the 70s. Like, you know, <laughs> a lot of New Yorkers sound like they they had to have three bodies in their body count before they even graduated high school. You know, just like, yeah, I did it, you know, whatever. Oh, man. 
Yeah, there's some characters out here, man. And, and the whole Jersey thing. I got into doing like Tony Soprano. I got into Andy Garcia. I love Andy Garcia. He's he's smooth. Um, the whole Tony Soprano thing is, went crazy, you know, mm -hmm. like in Jersey. You know, he starts off with the breathing. Yeah. So what are we doing over here? We're talking on this podcast over here, this comedy thing, this jazzy comedy thing. The only problem is where's my cut? You know what I'm talking about. Everybody, all the Italians, they they love, they love Soprano, even though it was like some, a lot of Italians were insulted by the show, but then they were getting together, watching it on Sunday, you know, with, with their family, you know, it was big, big over here. So, but when he passed away, I, uh, the orders went down a little bit, you know, so, and then um, you still get some order, orders now. Uh, Trump is, is the most popular right now. The most popular uh, voiceover right now. Who who is that guy? I'm sorry. What, what, what's the last guy you just named? Doesn't ring a bell. Uh, I think you know who I'm talking about. Okay, and this is an honor to be here. Okay, you guys may not like me, and I find that hard to believe. Okay. <laughs> uh, sir, you're not welcome on the show. You are not I'm, welcome okay. here. I'm sorry. I leave now. Okay. <laughs> That would be terrific. <laughs> Why is he so good, though? That would be super-duper terrific if you could just... Dan, I was a little angry with you just hearing your voice for like 10 seconds just now. Bro, I was like, heavens to Murgatroyd. Exit stage left. You could you could get him to, to say whatever you want. That's a good thing. You can make him your puppet. I'm sure sorry for being me, okay? <laughs> That's true, huh? So what, what should we make Donald Trump say? Donald Trump... uh likes baby dicks or something. I don't know. I love baby dicks. I really do. <laughs> that is too perfect. You had mentioned something about uh, the Italians didn't necessarily take kindly to the fact that the Sopranos existed. I haven't seen yeah. the show. Oh, no? You haven't seen it? I haven't and seen not, it. Not, not all Italians, but I, I feel like, you know, you know, so like I, I've heard, like some people were were insulted by you know that th this isn't what you know Italians are. I mean, and he was glorified the character, and he was a murderer. Mm. You know, that really that show changed a, a lot. Then Breaking Bad came, and you know, he started rooting for the villain. And but you know, I have I have some friends that were insulted by it, and some friends that loved loved it, and they were having everybody over the whole family watching the Sopranos, but it's not like, you know, he wasn't like this genuine, good, classy man, you know, this would, guy was a murderer, racist, you know, would you think that James Gandolfini and uh, the Sopranos kind of broke the mold? It was one of the first anti-hero shows where people kind of galvanized or rooted for the villain, quote unquote. And uh, I mean, in my, I think in my my for my time, you know, maybe there were others in in there, but like for for what I've seen out here on hot TV shows like that, I think that was to me that was the first one that was so dominant. You know, Tony Soprano, this guy was badass, and you were rooting for him. Mm. It's crazy when you think about that. You know, you got a show that people are watching every week. And you're rooting for a killer. 
you know, a bad dude. But they also portrayed him as a troubled gangster. You know, he he was going to therapy, you know, and, and he knew about his anxiety. He talked about his anxiety. So you had a tough guy talking to a therapist, you know, that, that, that was pretty genius to do and brave. I think if you're a creator of a show to do that, you know, it's kind of interesting when you have, so when you have the ability to frame a narrative, any which way you would like, I lost you there. So when you have the ability to frame a story, any which way you like, and they decide to place the focal point of the entire story and drive the whole story through this character. Do you think that the viewers have a choice as to who they think is a piece of shit and who isn't? Or do they accept that he's a piece of shit? Are we pieces of shit? We're pieces of shit, right? In order for an anti-hero to be possible, for us to be like, I like him. He has problems, but so do I. <laughs> he's murdering yeah. people. He's like, he's going out buying Buicks and shit going, you know, how, how many bodies can we fit in the back of this? You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like some analyze yeah, that's this, a great analyze that type shit. <laughs> yeah. That's a great question, man. That's, that's a, I think that the, the creators, right. The directors, the writers, they know what they're doing. You know, they, they really know how to, and you know, obviously, you know, if they're going to deliver that entertainment, and push a character throughout you know some people are going to love it some people aren't but i think the majority of if they're good writers and directors they're gonna they're gonna get you to do what they want they're gonna take you on that journey Mm -hmm. for that whole thing you know they're gonna see the insecurities make you root Mm -hmm. for them a little bit it's an interesting thing that's a great question though that's a great question I think that the power is that they put it in like a series, right? That can go five seasons, four seasons or whatever longevity, right? Because it's not like we haven't rooted for bad guys in the movies. I mean, Mm. right. Frank Lucas, right. Played by Denzel Washington. He was a bad guy technically, but we all wanted him to win. Um, Fucking Bruce Willis in every diehard movie is like the worst idea of a police officer if he was on the ground you know what i'm saying you wouldn't want him dealing with you if you had to be hanging around him while he was doing his bruce willis you know yippee kaye motherfucking shit right um but we we like that right will smith and and uh martin lawrence and bad boys like again terrible Mm -hmm. ideas of cops in real life but we like that shit and so i think that when you say okay let's turn bad boys into five years of t- television or let's turn Frank Lucas into five years of television. Like that's when it really starts to unveil. I just think the darker side of America in the sense that as Chavanti was speaking on earlier, we all have that like negative persona that I don't give a fuck persona that shitty, shitty, bang, bang, you know what I'm saying? And it allows us to tap into that. Just like the fucking 1950s white dudes used to try to get us to tap into like our higher essence with Superman or Batman or Captain mm-hmm. Marvel. It's like, that's cool, but I still want to fuck some shit up. And mm-hmm. in the last decade, they've been like, yo, this is how people are fucking shit up. And this is how they're dealing with it emotionally and trying to maintain a family and still human. And I think mm-hmm. it kind of grazed the line between like good and evil, right? Because at the end of the day, everybody's still trying to take care of their family, want to love their kids, feed them, you know, keep them safe from the elements and from bad elements, you know what I'm saying, in the world. Yet they might do it 
a little bit more gangster than somebody else. You know what I'm saying? But that's just how they love. So can you judge them on how they love? Are you in their shoes? I mean, I, so I think that's where the TV has really become um, genius. Even Scandal, right? With the fucking uh, Kerry Washington playing Olivia Pope. It's like, if you... If we, if everybody's like, oh yeah, I love to be Olivia Pope, man. If you were, I hope your ass go to jail. You know how many crimes she covered up during that five seasons of TV. <laughs> so, but we like it at the same time, you know. So, just yeah. y'all got me over here thinking while I'm smoking the Marjolaine. You feel me? And then Raymond Reddington in the the Blacklist. I think you the best criminal in America right now. That's JC, not a lot. You you raised an interesting point in that. Um, <laughs> I think that uh, when you make a show or a story centered around, like centered around a um, a focal point that's like an antihero, more of a villain, the more seasons that, that you have, you you sort of give them time, or give everyone a space to find the redemption. You think the people are into that person appealing to their most primitive nature? them being assholes them possibly having a side of them that's more dark or do you think that that gives them space to see that character's redemption in the end hopefully maybe possibly which oftentimes never happens I'm going going dark for 500 Bob Um, yeah I I don't think redemption matters as much like in Breaking Bad was he redeemed was Tony Soprano redeemed? Was Olivia Pope redeemed? Like she was just like a smart hoe at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? Um, like I don't think Thanos definitely didn't get redeemed. They chopped that motherfucking head off even after he was like, I got rid of the stones. I destroyed the stones with the stones. Thor was like, I don't give a fuck. Boom. Fuck you, bro. We're not putting you in jail. We're not praying for you. We're not praying to Odin or Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like I don't think it's about redemption anymore. I think people are literally tapping into vibrations and it's like television has almost become as creative as music the way that it appeals to our senses our emotions our intellect and our spirit right because everybody's like i'm spiritual don't nobody know what the fuck that means but even movies can tap into that spiritual aspect of at the base level you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. dan you got some thoughts on that one you know it's just making me think of like you know as you're talking about how it affects like uh you know, and you brought it into music too. Um, Joe Rogan he says something about motivation, and he says that people should, you know, if you're having trouble in your life, what you should do is think of yourself as a star in your own movie. Like your life is your you're, you're actually the star in this movie that's going on, and in these movies, the star usually goes through some shit, some mm. tough shit. So, but you have the vision that you're going to come through in the end. So you got to start doing that star has to start doing things right now to get there. I thought that was such a a cool thing for people that are going through a tough time in their life. Like for me, it hit me, you know, with, with a few things. I was just like, yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, like I wanted to be an actor. Again for her. So she understand why I deal with her the way I do. Cause I'm a star. And sometimes I go through shit and I'm just trying to figure it out, but I'm a star. And so I just need you to tell her I'm a star. for (laughs) You are a star. No doubt. No doubt about it. You're a star. You're a star. She's a star too. She's a star too. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just think that's so cool to, uh, to have that thought process and that could help out a lot of people, you know, because we do, we, we love, 
people love movies. They love it. They they get lost in it. That that takes us away from our reality. The whole mm-hmm. movie entertainment, you know, like you, your podcast. People tune in to escape their little thing and, and get into and get into this, you know. So people are looking for something. People are looking for motivation. I love I love that inspiring and, and motivation thing and seeing people go get it, you know, and come out of something tough. You know, I think that's beautiful. We need a lot more of that in this life. Mm-hmm. You know? No, I agree. I know Trevante's burning with a question because I interrupted it. So I want to give him some space before I continue uh, to burn with Go ahead, bro. Go ahead, man. No, no, no. Go ahead, man. I'm, I'm going to roll this bleasy over here. So, um. <laughs> yeah, he was ready with it. So, um. <laughs> well, I'm not going to have zero questions when you go, hey, I know you got a question. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> I know you got a question. Nah, I'm all done. <laughs> and just sit here like a stooge in the zoom <laughs> come on man thanks for fucking this fucking guy so uh how long have you been doing like so what led you to doing in person so explain to people the difference between voice acting and impersonations because i think that some people think that that's one in the same Mm -hmm. i'd say that the skill sets uh you have some that kind of cross over you know that that are kind of universally applicable but an impressionist is someone with a specific and a special kind of ear not that voiceover actors don't have an ear but would would you say that that's kind of a different kind of ear yeah you know, what's funny is like I started recently, someone asked me to do like to get into uh, uh, the audiobooks, like reading their book. And I had trouble being myself, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so I was like, that's that's an interesting thing where you can just relax. And the whole time I'm trying to I'm always like trying to impersonate, you know, these other characters or losing myself and becoming another character. But then to be myself and and do something that was quality was, was a challenge for me too. So I do see, I see a difference in there, but I've seen so many talented people out there that do both really well. They do the impersonation stuff and, and they do the uh, themselves reading, you know, doing commercials and things like that. I haven't done much of the, uh, of my own voice out there. You know, I've been doing this on the side, you know, I work, I work full time for a, uh, for a media company called Outfront Media. So I'm like selling out of home advertising, but, and I have a graphic design illustration background. I was working for an advertising agency uh, years ago and this new guy came in. He, he was like an undercover boss. He was really, he was buying the company and I, I wanted to do something different. And he heard throughout, you know, from the other people in the company that I do these impersonations. And he asked me if I could get up on stage. It was in Cincinnati to talk about going for life to the company. And I never, you know, I was always fascinated about comedy, Eddie Murphy and all this. And I thought that was incredible how these dudes can go up on stage and look like they're talking and they're so calm and they're funny. And but so I was always fascinated by it. And this guy asked me to do that. And I had a month to prepare. I was terrified never so nervous before in my life nobody knew i was going to go up on this stage to do what i was going to do and it was a a story about how i was this guy that was working from home at the time 
and there's a lot of distractions um, working from home and it's not my wife or my kids. It's all these friends that come over uninvited. And then I'd knock on the microphone and in would come Andy Garcia. And I'm having dialogue as myself with him. And my whole room gets packed with all these different characters like Christopher Walken and Soprano. I end up kicking them out of the room and I end with Soprano going, we're going to go, but we're going to go for life. That was the only time I said something about going for life. And then I, I, I was running off the stage, but I got like a standing ovation. And then from there, he asked me, um, what did I want to do with my career? And I was like, I was like at such a high at the time because people were coming up to me. I was like, I think I want to become an actor. And he was like, well, how about new business development? I was like, okay. So, uh, <laughs> How about new business development? That's a lateral move. I'll do that one. Why not? Good one. Why not? There's money in that too, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I got into that story. You but you want to act in this alpha me a uh, corporate job, motherfucker? Like, you- Man. I don't know if that answers your question. I don't even know. I rambled on there. <laughs> no, this is all worth it. Yo, that was actually, but I almost, I got an asshole question. Can you do the skit that you did in Cincinnati? Can you just run through it? I would love to. I mean, it's a podcast, so like, if you don't mind just playing the voices, I would love to hear it, bro. Or the Cliff Notes version. <laughs> I, yeah, I could give you a little bit. I could try. So I would be, I remember when I got up on the stage, I had like, and I would wake up every night at like two in the morning like rehearsing this thing. I was so stressed out about it. And it came out different every time because I didn't want it to be like I was reading a script or anything. I wanted it to be natural. Mm-hmm. And that freaked me out too. That freaked me out also because it came out. I was like, what are you going to do when you get up there? And when I got up there, the first four minutes I had planned, I threw it out immediately. I just dumped it away. I was like, just get right into the heart of you in the office and doing this whole thing. So I was... I would, uh, I remember, I forget exactly how I started, but I remember Andy Garcia came in first and I was, I did the knock on the thing and he came in and he goes, Dan, Danny, how are you? I have to, I have to come in here and talk to you for a second. I was like, yeah, w- what's going on? How, how you doing, Andy? I'm, I'm good. Listen, I wanted to tell you something that all the other guys, they're coming over here too. All right. And I'm like, all right, can you, I'm just working on something here. I got, I got a deadline. Can you just wait in the back for me? Wait back in the in the office. Okay, I'm, I'm, but I'm telling you, they're coming in right now. I'm like, all right, no no worries. Then I knock on the microphone again. <laughs> How you doing, Dan? What's going on? It's me, Tony. Hey, what's up, Tony? How you doing? Yeah, Andy's here. So I went into this whole thing like this, where the whole office got packed. Like Charles Barkley came in. He was like, Hey, what's going on, Dan? How you doing? I was like, Hey, what's up, Chuck? What's going on? Everybody's here, but I got a deadline. You know, I'm, I start getting all stressed out. I'm like, listen, I got, I start mentioning like this uh, marketer that I'm in the crowd that I have to send the file to. Take it easy. I, I'm just here. I saw everybody's car in the driveway. I'm going to hang out too. I was like, all right, this is getting crazy, guys. All right, this is getting nuts. So he gets in the back. Sandler comes in. Uh, hello. <laughs> What's going on here? Is there a party going on here? I was like, this is getting ridiculous, guys. So the people were people weren't even laughing. They were just like, look, I saw people like looking at me like because they didn't know who I who I was and what they knew. I was some graphic designer, dude. And I, and I was up here doing this whole thing. But it was when I got up there, I got to tell you, when I got up there, I was like so nervous. But then as soon as I started going, 
something just said to me, like, you're here now, just let it go. You're here now, just let it go. And then I was calm up there. And then when I ended it, I was nervous again. <laughs> it was weird. It was a weird feeling. It was a weird no, feeling. That, that's like, a, I imagine that's like how, like Ray Charles or Stevie Wonder play the piano, like where they're just totally zoned in and they can switch up the sound from high to low, from fast to slow. I mean, when I'm hearing your voice, even as I'm looking at you, and I'm like, how the fuck is he switching <laughs> to have even a one-liner conversation? I mean, that's, it's an incredible art, bro. Like, it's truly uh, a skill. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. That might be a flow state that you were uh, kind of describing, that kind of moment where you're just nowhere but there. You're nowhere else. You're just there. And you don't know where there is until you take that next step. And now you're there again, which is still present, which is just now. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Almost like a time traveler, like your past, present and future all at the same time. Because you're drawn upon things from the past and what you've prepared. You've also thrown Mm -hmm. it away. That's an active thing to do. So that's present. And then it's 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 you know, it's about achieving a certain desired result that you also have detached yourself from the outcome of, but that's also the future. You know what I'm saying? It's like a time traveler is what like artisans are like people who are on stage doing comedy or, or they're doing a podcast or they're uh, doing voice acting or impressions, you know, something like that is we're time travelers in ways. That's cool, man. Really tapped in really in that zone. Yeah. That's, it was like the fear thing, you know, go, go. Cause I knew I had to do that. I had to face this fear. I always wanted to do. And that I remember when the guy was coming down and he was coming down to get me to segue me to come up and nobody knew I was going up. I had a thought myself to myself going, why the fuck did you decide to do this? <laughs> <laughs> that came into my head. <laughs> Look, I get it. I feel it. Look, oh, <laughs> I was sharing with you a little bit before we started the call. You know, I just started doing stand up before Corona started. So I wasn't, you know, a long time in the game before mm-hmm. all this happened. But when one of my first big performances was uh, with Hella Funny in San Francisco, where they invited me to a club literally a block from where I work at a bank downtown San Francisco. So I'm like, I'm downtown all the time, oh, never wow. in this capacity. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So, I'm like, all right, let me, you know, I don't know if I need to smoke before the show. Do I not smoke before the show? Cause I don't want to be fucked up and too fucked yeah. up. I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm kind of all tripping out or whatever. Hella nervous. I go into the club an hour early. It's like an Indian stand-up comedian show. I didn't even know Indians was in a stand-up comedy like that, that they had exclusive fucking shows, you know, and I'm East Indian, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and yeah, they yeah. was running or whatever. The same hella funny company was doing the thing. He was like, yeah, your shows are like eight or whatever. I was like, all right, I'll be back. Now I got a whole nother hour just to walk around, think about, do I want to smoke? Do I not want to smoke? Do I go get a fifth of some bourbon and just, just bottle the whole Woodford Reserve and hopefully reserve some jokes throughout the process? I don't know what the fuck I'm about to do, right? And so, I go in the back and uh, when it's finally time for us to get ready and there's like 20, 25 comedians back there. Cause you know, we only got like five to seven minutes. So they're, you know, get the fuck on, get the fuck off. Like if you're yeah. funny, great. if you're not funny, we don't give a shit. We got 20 other people to uh, have our show going with or without you. Yeah. And so yeah. 
I'm like, and I'm like second. So the crowd ain't even warmed up. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, Nick, damn, give me like fourth or fifth at least. Like, let them get a few drinks in. Like, let them laugh or not laugh. So I got a couple bars that I can jump up. No, fuck it, second. So I get on, I get on the stage or whatever. And I mean, club is full. I'm looking at all these white people faces in San Francisco. And if you've listened to any episodes of Jazz County Show, I talk about white people like the best of them. You know, I talk about black people. I talk about Mexicans, my wife, Mexican. I talk about everybody. So I don't I don't discriminate in discriminating. You know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm an equal opportunity discriminator. And, and I'm just looking at them like, hmm. I hope y'all ready because we about to go in from some jokes about my kid and his big black dick. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> to some reparations. And, and they loved it, though. It was like, I, you know, it took me probably a minute or two to kind of get that feeling that you described where it was like, OK, I'm now calm and I kind of I kind of don't care. And I'm, I'm in what you right. call the flow state. And then I was just going. And it was a point where. Like I was probably five, six minutes into it. And, you know, they threw the little one minute thing up or whatever. Like I was like, all right. And the guy came on the stage behind me and started like reworking the stage background, I guess, for his own fucking set. The (laughs) rudest shit you can imagine while you're on stage. You know what I'm saying? But I felt so Mississippi River in my flow. It like it literally didn't fucking matter. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't even Did you say anything about him? Did you mention anything to him? Like, hey. I didn't even say nothing. I was just, I was in my flow. Like they was, yeah. I had my, my, my jokes going and scripted and non-scripted at the same time. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. the crowd was laughing. Everybody was with me. So when I literally got off the stage, I just gave the nigga a pound. I was like, yep, boom. And it was just like, everybody was like, damn nigga. And, and even the owner hella funny. He was like, who the fuck are you again? Like you really had them. And I'm just like, bro, nobody, bro. But thank you for the opportunity. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's great. That's great, yeah. man. That's great. So I, I think what you described is uh, it's good affirmation for artists out there. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. everybody be scared as fuck. And you're clearly talented. Anybody listening to this show, is, I mean, you can see oh, your talent right. miles away. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, right. yo, if this guy's fucking scared. Who the fuck are we not to be scared? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like straight the, the fear, the fear is too, is like getting up there and like, you know, could you possibly freeze or choke and maybe... They, the voices don't sound good. You know, CD put all this pressure on you. But the funny thing, is, like, I love basketball. I used to play hoops and coach. But, uh, you know, you know, what's interesting is like when you don't try to make it and you don't care if you miss, that's when you start making it, making those shots. When, yeah. when you try to aim that in, you know, you got to There's something about being like just not caring, you know, just free free yeah. and then you can catch fire you get hit six shots after you miss three you know that's a yeah. bar. So I, that's a bar right there. About, what's that i said i said that was a bar right there <laughs> that's a <laughs> dead joe verb special right there no impersonation <laughs> <laughs> no but i believe that that's that's uh that's and that's putting your, your soul out there to to everybody i mean that's a lot of pressure for comedians like that to go up there and be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make you laugh. That's why yeah. I'm standing here. You know, you're yeah. coming up there, you're making that statement. I'm going on the stage and I'm worthy of doing this. I'm going to make you laugh. That's automatic, automatic pressure. You know? Yeah. So yeah. there's this quote, it's random, but comparison is the thief of joy. So I'm going to ask you. I love that. Have you mm-hmm. ever compared yourself to anyone, any uh, 
anyone industry adjacent, I'd say like a Pablo Francisco or, you know, a Frank Caliendo or where you already kind of advanced in the game to where by the time you got into it, you were well into your bag and then to um, your people, your tribe. And you were just like, I'm just doing this shit and I don't care because some people it's rare. But I think that some people are kind of out of the gate. They already have the disposition of, you know, I'm a new booty in the game. And, I, you know, I, I kind of have a blissful unawareness of how I'm being perceived. So therefore, I don't give a shit the way that maybe the well-trained haven't necessarily scared me into being because i think that sometimes people learn certain behaviors whereas you know someone who doesn't have a lot of of experience in the thing they're unaware of the pitfalls the dangers all of these things that could generate anxiety in them and therefore can create a fear that could freeze or you know the fro you know the flow of their um expression i should say so they Mm -hmm. could be choking on stage or this or that where they had it in the bag, they was killing it in the back. They was killing it mm-hmm. in the streets. They were killing it outside or at home or at a party. Mm-hmm. But when they get on stage, they were taught by some mm-hmm. pussies mm-hmm. <laughs> that, mm-hmm. hey, mm-hmm. man, these people, they're going to be here drunk, angry, possibly upset, judgmental, blah, blah, blah. You should be scared for this reason. You should be afraid of that. And therefore, you should move this way. You're not that way and think this way instead of that way. All of these things restricting your flow. All of these things getting you to call into question some that you probably should should have never like there should have been no doubt. But there is Mm -hmm. sometimes that comes from within because naturally we're fearful of things that um, we can ultimately conquer. Like it was um, who was it? I think it was Will Smith. He said, uh, you know, that greatness is just on the very other side of what fear is. Just right, yeah. right there on the other side. Like you're right there on the precipice. And if you're afraid at least a little bit, then I think that you're on to something fucking good. On to something mm-hmm. fucking great. Because if you can just, boom, that small tweak, punch right through that fucking threshold, then you're on the other side. You're on that good side, that great side. And that's yeah. the side that thrill is on. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I think that people can be confusing anxiety for thrill. And it's like, if you're thrilled by this, it should be fun. The experience yeah. should be fun and great. Yeah. So, yeah. long story long. That, that's that's a that's that's a deep thought and and like when going back to what you were saying about like the Cornell Trevante and shit. What? Like Cornell West Trevante and shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was no, but like so going back to like the comparing right comparing my it's funny because i'll i'll hear some people out there like people that aren't even famous that are i'm like oh man i get upset to myself i'm like damn he's better than me this guy oh you know you you, you get you get because you're, you're your own worst critic too but then you know then you then you come back and you, and you think you got but you know what there's that's that person and you're you you're you're unique and in, in entertainment people want they want to see different things out there too. So I do, I do. And then all of a sudden I'm like, Oh, look at this guy. This guy's famous, but I got my, my impersonation of this character is actually better than him, you know, but this one isn't. So you're real with it. You know, it's, it's all over the place for me with that comparison thing. I try not to, but it does creep in, in there. And sometimes it, 
it motivates you can impersonation stuff you can learn sometimes too when you see someone else do something like oh he's he's emphasizing this part of it and you're you're struggling with it over here so you know it's an interesting uh community i think the uh, impersonation crew i don't see too many people battling you know that'd be an interesting thing to have uh, two comedians battling, you know <laughs> Let's do a Charles Barkley and battle each other. Who, you know, like to to see who sounds more like the person. Like but, playing on knuckleheads. Yeah, <laughs> that's good. There you go. Just bad, just just bad, just horrible, just bad. Like, like I said, Ernie, these guys over here talk about this whole jazzy comedy. They ain't making me laugh. These guys are talking about deep stuff, Ernie. Deep stuff. <laughs> Erna, Erna the Jet Smith. <laughs> I'll never forget the five buck box with lots and lots Taco Bell commercial that Charles Barkley signed up to do. That's right. That's right. Do y'all remember that shit? The five buck yeah. box with lots and lots. <laughs> they were not trying. They were very not hard. trying very. <laughs> That's right. He's always making yeah. fun of Shaq for being on commercials. Oh. <laughs> You'll never get better than this. The the icy hot sleeve. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Come and get your icy hot sleeve today. Icy hot. The icy hot. That's <laughs> <laughs> no, great stuff, man. But this is great. This is great. Uh, when yeah. I when I hear you talk about the nuances in uh, I guess the comparison stuff, like for how you learn from it, it makes me think about the stand up. Um, as I, when I was doing it, and like. When I first started, I mean, Chiranti was giving me so much game because he, you know, he'd been in the Hollywood circles for like eight years, right? And so he was constantly like, bro, you look at this, think about this, like relax over here, like maybe pay more attention over here, like slow down over here, right? And I'm just like, nigga, you sound like my baseball coach. I quit that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, don't, I can't take all of this criticism, man. Like already comedian, I'm emotional about my shit, nigga. Yeah, I reached out. You know what I'm saying? Eric about doing this bitch. Um, and so, but after you do it for a while and then you start replaying stuff and listening to stuff and then watching other people, you'd be like, oh, that motherfucker was right. You know what I'm saying? So you start saying like, where you need to slow down over here or pause over here. You see people like the, my, my biggest thing was, especially, I think it's part of being from Detroit and you, y'all probably got this in New York too, where we just, we talk fast. It's your fault if you don't hear us. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I said what I said, fuck you if you ain't here. Like, I can say it even faster, but you better pay attention. No matter what I'm saying, if you're not listening, don't give a fuck, nigga. I'm not gonna slow it down. Just make sure you're listening. That's not my problem. That's your problem. That's not like a you motherfucking problem, nigga. You know what I'm saying? We talk fast. And so I would go through my jokes and I would be sending them to Chavanti and he's like, nigga, breathe. Like, you just said five jokes in a minute and I can't even process the first joke by the time you got to the third joke and I'm trying to laugh at the second joke, but then you done moved on to the fifth joke and it's like, bro, you got to pause to appreciate what the fuck you're saying so mm -hmm. that the audience can also appreciate what the fuck you're saying. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it took time though to like watch myself and watch other way better comedians to be like, oh... Mm. That actually works. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Because like, he was right. I hate this nigga for being right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because like, even though you're on stage by yourself, that comedy isn't necessarily created alone. You need some motherfuckers to find it to be funny. Right. And if you're stepping on and smothering all of your jokes, why even write them? Because they can't process them. 
because they're still laughing over the top of the other one. And then you're plowing right through it. And then oh, I have some new shit to process. And that's right. going to take some time too to get it. Then yeah. find it funny. Then laugh. Applause break. Then you're right. So, so you're betraying all of the jokes, <laughs> all yeah. of the work you put that's into true. them, the rhythm of it all, the timing. Yeah. So yeah I think I was applying like teenage, how to get a girl game where you got like a hundred pickup lines and you don't know which one's going to work. So you just run through all of them and see which one click. And he'd be like, okay, I got you now. Cool. Let's go kiss under the bleachers or something. Right. And I was trying to do that with the jokes instead of just being like, yo, one, two, and just let, literally letting them marinate. Cause that's jokes is dual stand up comedy is more like actual sex than it is picking up girls. Right. Picking up girls that quick one liners. I mean, Hopefully you're not having sex and it's just a quick one-liner. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but when you when you really doing stand-up, sometimes you want you know you want to start off slow. You want to ease your way in. You want to give them like a rising crescendo. You want to orgasm that shit. And then if you can now repeat that process for multiple orgasms, then I think you're at the Chris Rock, Cat Williams, Richard part. Right now it's like, nigga, my stomach hurt. Like you fucked me up, and it's like, yes, I fucked yeah. you. But I did. I did it good too, didn't I? I did it good. You hurting, you're laughing, you feel better, you're gonna remember my name, say my name, bitch. And that's what you <laughs> want in comedy. But you can't rush that process. You gotta like, you know, you gotta slow your way in the fucking. You can't fast your way in the fucking. You know, fuck them slow, don't fuck them fast. That's basically yeah. the rule of comedy. And and you, you wanna you wanna you wanna hear them hear them laugh. You know, mm-hmm. you wanna hear that, you wanna enjoy that. Like hear them laugh a little bit. It's funny because when I do the the voiceover work. You know, and you're, and you're doing a like a whole bit. It could be like a minute recording for someone that they want to send, like Barkley or Sandler saying something about somebody. And you, and you have the jokes in there. I'm envisioning. I'm like, this is funny. They're going to laugh. But if I keep this other thing going right here, they're going to laugh over it, you know, and they're mm-hmm. not going to hear the next one. So I, even in the recording, I'm putting in those pauses, thinking that, yeah. hey, this is funny this is making me laugh. I, I don't want to cover up what I'm doing here on the next one. So it's, it's an interesting, thing. it's a science, this whole thing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, see, I'm going to need some, some offline consulting with you and Trevante on the call. Cause that, that, that is another art and skill level in this onion that you can create those dramatic pauses digitally. I know Trevante does a lot of time when he have to do his audition tapes, working from home and send them in. But as a stand-up comedian, I almost am handicapped by the audience. I need the audience. I need to feel the pussy when I'm having sex. I can't just look at porn and imagine the pussy. I need to see it, feel it, taste it. I need the wetness to be covering me. And that's what the stand-up is. It's like the audience is the pussy, right? You just, you need to have that physical interaction. But if I can get to like a, a digital art for that, I think that would make me definitely a much better entertainer. Um, but like I said, I'm gonna need some offline consulting, bro. Just let me know your cash app and we'll get it going. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> For those of y'all who want to help me, who listen to the show, y'all cash at me and I cash at Dan. And then this is now like a community of stimulus packages for my development. You see, do you love me? Do you love me? Y'all don't fucking love me. I ain't got one dollar in my cash app from you motherfuckers. It's cool. So I got a day job, nigga. <laughs> you convert that shit. The verb, that's you. Look, they still ain't gonna send me funny. I'm like, cash up, cash up yourself, motherfucker. I'm waiting on my stimulus check. Shit. That time soon come, boy. They are 
<laughs> they are chilling on that boy. It's gonna be, it's gonna be June and shit. Motherfuckers like, man, I I could I could have been stimulated. Look, <laughs> January, July when they give us a stimulus check, like after. <laughs> Like Christmas is I told you I was coming through. We're gonna be like Biden, your hundred days is over hundred days ago, nigga. Get the fuck out of here. Bro, this is everybody's that's gonna be everybody's birthday money. It's gonna be everybody's Believe well, me, they figured some shit out. They had to figure some shit out in the time it took for them to send that stimulus, that third stimulus. It's like, bro, they done figured the shit out. But thanks for the fourteen hundred. Appreciate it. <laughs> No, no, but it, this is how they still fuck us. Sorry, Dan, we're going to get back to you in a second, but fuck, fuck the president and the government, right? Because they're still telling people it's $2,000. They're like, yeah, it's part of the $2,000 stimulus package. Nigga, that $600 is gone. You cannot add that to a future You can't payment. add that. Yeah, dog. You know how fast that shit was spent? That 600 was given between but New Year's and like Martin Luther King Day, yeah. niggas was broke by like January 20th before inauguration. You know what I'm saying? Like, Bruh, I know for true. a lot of people that fucking 600 was spent before it hit the fucking Bank of America card. <laughs> that, day. that shit was spent already. already that shit spent. was covered with the $29 overdraft fees that people collected from spending. <laughs> Yo, hey, $542 in overdraft fees because the, they was hanging on for dear life by one tendril. Because they were like, no, I mean, they said it would be in my account by Monday, but gee, uh, you know what I'm saying? So, like, it showed up on Saturday. Yeah, that's and, crazy. And it's like $36 overdraft a day and shit. Right. That was wild, man. That was like, so I started working for that company for Outfront two months before the COVID went crazy. Mm. Then I got I got sick. I got mm. the COVID. I was sick for like four weeks. You got the video. And then I came back to work and I'm like fighting for my job. I'm like, Oh my God. Cause nobody was driving, you know, we're in the billboard business. Yeah. So nobody was driving. So I'm like trying to uh, fight for my job. I got a house and, you know, mortgage kids. And then I, I sell like this human being. I'm living my life, trying to take yeah. care of my people. Everybody else about to start selling crack on you motherfuckers. Go ahead. Dan. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm fighting. I'm, I'm like trying to sell billboards during this time. It's crazy. I was able to sell one for September. I'm like, okay, I'm holding on my job. Then I sold another one for Mother's Day package to this hospital. It was small, nothing big. They feature me in this email that goes to the company, a motivational email. They're trying to motivate everybody. Look, Dan sold the first Mother's Day package. I'm like, oh, good. I made it. I'm holding on. An mm -hmm. hour later, I'm on a Zoom. I'm thinking I'm going to get congratulated by my boss. I'm getting furloughed. So now I, I, like, I couldn't, now because I was like one of the new guys for the company that had to furlough me. So I'm like, oh, my God, I'm still getting over the, the corona, all this stuff. And now I'm like, what am I going to do? man? What am I going to do? So then here comes the summer. I started moving. I just needed to move and, and get active. I started painting houses because my, my father and I used to paint. He was, came from Serbia and, and we were painting when I was a kid. So I learned how to paint. I started getting referrals and started collecting cash, unemployment, and just busting my ass with this shit. And then I'm like, shit, here comes the winter. No one's all the outdoor work is going to be gone and no one's going to want you inside their house because this COVID uptick. But then two days later, I got a call back from out front that traffic is up. They want me to come back. I was like, well, God just hooked me up, man. That was, yeah. it's been a wild, crazy journey with this thing, man. This has been crazy. I'm sure so many people out there that, you know, I was lucky. I knew how to paint, you know, like some people don't, 
have anything else that other than their job and they lost it. It's like, what do you do? You're looking for this thing called money, you know, and there's no, nobody's giving it to you. There's no way to get it. There's, you know, it was, it's a wild time. So hopefully we're going to come through this thing now. Hopefully it'll fade away, you know, but this has been ugly. Yeah. Sorry to be Debbie Downer on this. <laughs> nah, nah, that's the real. Look, everybody, is, like, I always think about when my children listen to the Jesse Company show in the future, and they're going to be like, what made dad start this? And then they're going to start listening to it, and they're going to be like, what the fuck was going on in America? <laughs> Every episode, it's like an American terrorist episode. Like, there's just all the shit going on. And it's like, we, yeah. we were trying to keep people laughing and smiling to keep from preventing suicide or dying from all the crazy shit yeah. happening. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm working a campaign right now where we're supposed to uh, get an office downtown Oakland. So I'm visiting all these places downtown Oakland. Now, before COVID, right, downtown Oakland is a one bedroom, $2,400, $2,500 minimum. And I'm talking about that's 300, 400 square feet. So if you want a 700, 800 square feet, you spend it three grand on the one bedroom. If you want like a thousand square feet or more, you're spending like 3,400. This is downtown Oakland. Now, nine months later in the COVID, I'm looking for office space for this campaign. And while I'm coming out of the building, there's like five Oakland police uh, SUVs sitting outside, caution tape blocked off. I'm like, what happened? They're like, oh, it was a robbery and a shooting. Get home later, read the news. Six people got shot three blocks from where I was looking for a campaign office downtown. Wow. I caught the campaign like, look, uh, we're good. Uh, we're not going to go anywhere downtown Oakland. Um, I'm going to just have to give me a, give me a month or something. I'm going to see somewhere fucking safer because now it's just, it's like COVID is like the, the root of the tree that's fucking everybody. But then yeah. you got the increased drug use that's killing people. You got the suicide that's killing people. You got the shootings. I mean, being in Oakland and we talk about on multiple shows, especially if it's between like Thursday and Sunday night, Man, you'll hear like one or two people get shot right on the show. Wow. Like, it'll just be in the background. You'd be like, oh, was that seven bullets? Oh, okay. Mm. Oh, three shot back. Oh, four more. Oh, Any more shoot back? Nope, he didn't shoot back, huh? I guess he didn't make it. And there's that one. Oh, man. Me and Trevante be on the show talking with other people, texting each other like another one bite the dust. He'd be like, there's another one. Like, oh, it's man. just a crazy world we're in right now. And it's like the money. The money is the least the government can fucking do right now for people. You know what I'm saying? Like, put and if we were in Australia, we'd have universal basic income, twelve hundred dollars a month. We was in any fucking Western European country, we'd be getting a minimum thousand dollars, fifteen hundred dollars, somewhere, some some places even more than that per month. Plus the healthcare, plus the daycare. If you got children and stuff that they paying for, America is just like it's a free for all. But now in this free for all, where most people are freely falling. They're having to really look at themselves and be like, damn. But I tell everybody, America survived off the inertia of slavery. And Corona has been the first thing to stop that inertia since 1865. And the question is, how are you going to rebuild wealth that you built off the backs of other people? And then you're trying to sustain a country now that you've never actually practiced sustaining in any time in your history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's going to, it's kind of crazy. Like it's going to take some real people coming together and just being like, what the fuck do we want to do for our society? And how do we want to make this shit work? Because they're not taking care of the homeless. They're not taking care of old people. They're not taking care of children. They're not taking care of immigrants or people of color. They're not taking care of poor white people. And like, let's make this a clear thing for any Republicans that happen to be fucking listening to the show. The government has never taken care of you poor white motherfuckers. 
ever. Ever. There was a time where you indentured your servitudes next to our black asses, right in the cotton fields. Y'all just had a seven-year bid. Ours was, you know, a little bit more permanent than that. But y'all was there. Then when you knew white folks came, whether it's from Ireland or Italy or, or Yugoslavia, you was all put into some form of third class, second class, fourth class, fifth class citizenship too. America has never cared for poor white people. It's always only clear for a certain class of whites. And then it's tried to basically put wool over everybody else's eyes and say, well, you're like us, so fuck them. And it's like, that ain't the game. And we gotta really let that go because 99% of us are some poor motherfuckers working out here to make it. We know the price of milk. You know what I'm saying? And there's a of us don't know the price of milk. That's the motherfucking yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's crazy. It's 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 so much out here. It's so it's a it's a survival thing. But you know, you know what it is too? It's like things have changed so much. Like here you guys have this podcast, right? Like this this podcast stuff didn't even exist back then, you know, and and social media. Like I think about how like college puts people in debt. Like my, my wife's still paying college loans right now. And we got three kids. It's like, I can't, I can't save up for to help them pay college. What? They're going to have to take out loans too. But like, then you have entrepreneurs like, um, you know, even Bill Gates, Bill Gates never went to college. These people were just reading books like animals. And, you know, there's, there's a few out there that didn't go to college. And I'm not saying not to go to college, you know, you, if you can go, you can go, but don't let it discourage you if you can't, you know, because there's other ways that you can create your own business out here. Like right on on your show, I'm thinking like, wow, this is some good stuff that we're talking about. They, these guys should have an advertiser come in right now and make some money with that. Advertisers insert your advertisement right here. And we're going to pause for you. One minute. I'm sorry. One hour, one minute, 51 seconds. You can insert your ad right here. <laughs> Thank you. Dan Joven on any and all advertising for the I Mean Podcast and Jazzy Comedy Show Podcast. We are like Las Vegas hoes. We high class, but we still hoes. We will take your money. <laughs> I'm an escort. <laughs> Trying to make well, it. Trying to survive. Javante <laughs> over there in L.A. Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo, which I don't know. That's how this nigga get by. He just tell everybody he do Uber Eats for a living. This nigga be Uber eating pussy, nigga. Did someone <laughs> say steak? <laughs> <laughs> um, right, is that how this steak me one thing, ribs me one thing? It's hey, like, it be like that sometimes. First day, yeah. second base, you know. <laughs> I better uh, check out his Tinder connected to Uber Eats. I'm not snitching. I'm just saying. Look, everybody is Mr. Wilson today. <laughs> and this fully masked, only seen 61% of your face as society. Everything is going to have to be rebuilt from the ground up. You guys were both on the fantastic points. We literally, the the inertia screeched to a halt with regard to every fa- every single facet of american life and life around the world to be honest with you mm-hmm. it all stopped like this this ball just kept spinning on his finger all the way since the beginning and this caused it to stop do you know how hard it is to 
get, I don't know, a gigantic naval fleet or a giant cruiser ship turned in any direction to protect, like in particular, it's hard to change direction with something so massive. It's hard to stop something like a locomotive that has such a grand full steam ahead. It's hard to apply the brakes. But once you stop that fucking thing, the energy you need to get something going again is tremendous. It's incredible. And it's to get it going and to change direction. And to change direction. It's like, (laughs) woohoo. No one Mm -hmm. knows how to do that because no one, no earthling has ever had to do this. No Mm -hmm. one's ever had to do it. No, I, I, think, I think we're at the end of America. Like, if we're not, I'm glad I will gladly eat those words. Like, for all my patriots out there, like, I love this country like everybody else. That's why I'm in politics, not fight for you, motherfuckers. But I do think Rome did not fall in the day. People say that all the time. It's been on like every cartoon show since like Bugs Bunny or something, right? countries fall over decades. They crumble like old houses. You know what I'm saying? And so if we was to really look at America's crumbling, I'd say America started crumbling officially in 1979 due to Jimmy Carter's implementation of benign neglect in the cities to try to prove a point to black people that we needed the government. So they removed the police departments, the fire departments, they removed the post office services, they moved all government services from the city and literally created the war zones that we walked into in the 80s and the 90s with the crack and then the 2000s homelessness and 2010s homelessness and meth and all. They created this. It's been a 40-year decline in our country. And now some people are like, oh, I'm becoming woke to it. But it's like, nigga, you woke, but it's already a wrap. Like too late. When a house has crumbled so far, you don't even gut that motherfucker. You just, it's cheaper to demolish it and build another motherfucking house. And I think that's where we're coming as a people. Like, people gonna figure out how to just own some land and live among almost almost on some Confederate states. Like New York might be like Jersey. Fuck y'all. Y'all New York now. We 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 bringing y'all in on some eminent domain. Everything north of New York to Maine, that's us too. And then Maryland, y'all can have everything that we didn't take in the area. Michigan gonna commandeer everything around the lakes. California gonna take over the West Coast. Texas gonna take over everything in the fucking middle. And the Native Americans might get North Dakota back. You know what I'm saying? I think it's gonna be like a six or seven mini country series where we have to figure out how to work together and who knows if that will even be a government or just like rules of understanding almost how the native americans were living before like like we just kind of yeah okay sure like westeros bring it shout out to what is that westeros westeros from westworld no 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 westeros from thrones just, oh, for Game of Thrones. Just yeah. kingdoms. We have King's Landing, and then we got these other fuckers over here, Marine. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? And it's not like you check for papers when motherfuckers go back to forth. Like, if we go visit the Great Lakes area, they're going to be like, oh, the Cali motherfuckers came in town. And you'll know. You know what I'm saying? When the New York motherfuckers come in town, you'll know. And cats will be having trade and stuff. And I think it's going to be a lot of legal shit that isn't legal right now because people are going to be having to make it. And I think that cold the whole corporate chains are going to break. Like that's going to be the fucked up part. Like the supply chain in this country is the next thing to break. And once it breaks, you're not fixing it. 
And you know that best based on what you were talking about with the billboard advertising and trafficking. Yeah. I mean, you can speak to that. You know what I'm saying? And then they trying to, they also trying to fuck us out of the jobs with the highways anyway. And I love, I love Tesla and Elon Musk, but they t- they was testing when y'all couldn't drive on the highways. They was testing robotic AI trucks on the highway just mm-hmm. to prepare for 20 million robotic trucks to be out there. And that takes away those jobs, which that's, an eighth of the jobs in the fucking country right now. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, y'all want to fuck the country? Fuck it. Just give me some land in Alabama next to a river, bro. I'm good. You know? <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. It's like you, you want to almost teach your, you know, your kids to, to learn how to run their own business. Yeah. Rather, you have than, to. Relying, rather than relying on a job uh, that someone else can control their fate, you know, to say, you know what? You're furloughed or you're fired. Mm-hmm. Now what? Now what? This whole time I was dedicated to working a job, you know, but now, now like school should be teaching that entrepreneurial spirit and using all this social media back in the day, if I needed to look something up, I had to go ride my bike to my house and open up the the new world book encyclopedia. Now you you got your stuff on your hand. You, You can look up anything. You can get information. You can send an ad to somebody for your business, whatever it is, you know, and a lot of people are doing it. A lot of people are, but a lot of people aren't. They're too dependent on somebody else paying them. You know, mm-hmm. we do need people's money. What's I, that? I, tell that. I was like, yo, if I was a woman, I'd never have a job. I have like two or three boyfriends that make the motherfuckers work because <laughs> we know in this country, women make like 50% on the dollar men make. So I'm okay. like, you can go get a PhD. I'm going to respect you, doctor. Mm-hmm. This world's still going to pay you 50% on the dollar, doctor. Mm-hmm. So you need two of you just to make the same amount of money as me. That's mm-hmm. stupid. You can't, you might as well start a business, which she has one now. You know what I'm saying? But it's like that education. And I tell everybody, I got a degree. I've never needed my degree until my last job. I got this job at the bank. They was like, do you have a degree? Can you prove it? Ain't nobody asked me that before. Two years uh-huh. ago, and I was I was thirty one years old the first time somebody asked me to see my degree. Wow, wow! You know, and yeah. I got it at twenty one, so I'm like, did I not need it the whole fucking time? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and I can't really say it helped me. I would say college was good from a social perspective, and I got I was fortunate because I went to a state school, so I went to it for cheap and free, like Javante, right? We was we was roommates. That's how we met uh, in undergrad, but these motherfuckers going to private school. Like my wife, her, her tuition is like $40,000 a year for a master's degree. And I'm like, I, I wish you would get a job making $200,000, but I bet you, you'd be lucky to get a job making 60 when you finish a degree, just because that's how the world is set up right now. It doesn't make sense. Like to go just work for somebody else, you know, the university prepared us not for Mad Max Fury Road, but that's what this is going to become and it didn't prepare you for none of that it prepared you for a world it thought existed or would continue to exist should the inertia go uninterrupted but the world literally changes now from the moment you close your eyes to lay down and the moment you wake up again you're about to hear some goofy ass crazy unforeseen ass bullshit is it's going to be all over the headlines. The world changes by the day. Now, moment to moment, wave to wave. And I think they was preparing this in college for the 80s. 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> that might have been the era, you know, because I think that in the 80s might have been around the time when they started to campaign and put that seed into your parents' minds, into their heads, so that they would know how. Right, They had the market then to show your parents, your would-be parents, how in the future, once they had kids, they were going to sell them on this education scam. The one, yeah. one of the greatest scams of all time in all human history. And so mm-hmm. you have mad people graduating, over 85% of them were in the field, completely unrelated to anything that they went to school for. We understand that by now. But you also have these... You like you have these individuals who are two hundred thousand dollars in debt, one hundred fifty-two thousand dollars in debt, one hundred twelve thousand dollars in debt. I just had a conversation with a security a security guard the other day, um, outside of a dispensary, and he uh, he graduated from UC Dominguez Hills, and in California, he's from New York. He's from the Bronx, I want to say. He was trying to contemplate whether or not he. So he wants to get his. He's a legacy uh graduate so he's the first puerto rican from his family to graduate from college he's very proud of it he has his ba he's you know he's you know he's got his bachelor's works at starbucks security guard um which is the story for a lot of people who have their degree and i was like bro i know people with 19 different fucking degrees and you can't add them bitches up together and form one useful one out of all of them stitched together, no matter what the fucking thing is, no matter what you decide to f- get your fucking bachelor's in, you can stitch them all together and they, it would just be a fucking weird looking quilt is all that they would amount to fucking being, right? So I was, I didn't tell him the education wasn't important because it is, it's very important, but I had to have him reframe and redefine to himself what education is to him because I was like, I got my degrees, plural, but it was like, I've learned so much more about this life and about this world and about this universe outside of the confines of them developing me to be what, what kind of citizen they wanted me to be and designed for me to be. Once I went through their system, I said, so you want to consider whether or not specifically this masters in communication, whatever it, it was going to be, is going to be the thing that gets you to the next level. What can you do now? He said, well, well I'm getting phone calls now. I'm like, well, answer them. Get used to having conversations with people who make fucking decisions. Guess what you can't do and people tend not to do when they're under this um, this microcosm of a university experience. So they're in school. They feel safe there. Well, you have people that turn into career students. They make a career of that mm. because they are unprepared and they feel woefully unprepared for the world. They don't want to face that because this place doesn't give you the confidence to want to face some shit like that because they know that they're being un- underprepared right there. 50 hours or whatever of gen ed requirements, regardless of whatever the fuck you're about to study after that, which is the real shit, which is only like a year. And some change of the but shit that you actually paid the school to educate you on, to prepare mm-hmm. you for. You only get to do that shit for a small period of time. But even even in the Bay, Toronto, like they talk about like uh, everybody know Asians take a, like live out in the Bay. Like they got hella space out here. Right. We got Chinatowns. We got Japanese towns. Like we got a lot of Asian communities. When you look up the average payment of an Asian man with a bachelor's degree over the age of 25, his salary average is like thirty seven thousand dollars in the San Francisco Bay Area. Wow. 
That is extreme poverty. That means that they're even pimping these motherfuckers coming over here from other countries, getting these UC Berkeley degrees, Stanford degrees, and they putting them in town and they're making them work shitty hours for no money. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you can't tell me that they're trying to create a country of prosperity when everybody's being fucked. Just pick a person and let them tell you how they're being fucked. Mm-hmm. You know, you know what I'm saying? Dan just told us how you get fucked. Like, like when you think about like, history, sorry, we hope your booty feels better. You know what I'm saying? But we've been fucked too. So, you know, it happens. It gets more and more apparent too. Um, it's like, what is power where there are mad people in power? That's how this place thinks. You know what I'm saying? If it's mad people empowered, empowered, you know, placed into a position where they can move powerfully <laughs> and be successful, well, it kind of chips at our, our whole power structure thing here, what we have set up. Because it's designed for an oligarchy, just a few of us. You know, so we got to dupe a million, of, like millions of you. We got to get you to believe that you can do this, but you can't. Because we're going to move the goalposts. We want to change the rules. We want to make it impossible. I saw this quote. It was on IG, actually. Uh, It was a photo of a dude chilling in the hot tub in front of his dope-ass crib. Shout out to him. But he said, your boss will never pay you enough to live next door to him. Your boss will never fucking pay you well enough for you to be able to live next door. Wow. And that's all that needs to be said. You don't Mm -hmm. need to know anything else. About yeah. anything else, now move accordingly. And so I wanted that gentleman. Uh, I heard another quote that when the poor run out of things to eat, they eat the rich. You know, so I'm gonna just drop that one too. Well, that's we what the fuck it. is happening. It's like ultimately, <laughs> government and whatnot. <laughs> you got to pay people to not fucking rob you someday because that's what happens in hoods. They're underpaid, <laughs> underappreciated, maligned, ostracized, marginalized, and they're pulling the ski mask over their face and they're going to get it in some kind of way because you're not the only people who have children. You're not the only people who have uh, mouths to feed. And they're going, like, this isn't contra. You get shot more than you ought to and you turn to the side and you blink away. This isn't fucking Nintendo. This is real. Mm-hmm. They're not just going to disappear. They're just not going to go away. You know what I'm saying? Some people are in such a destitute state that you can step over them and they not budge broad daylight. But as for everyone else, man, desperate times will make a monkey eat red pepper. That's what I was taught. Shout out to Momo. <laughs> you know? Mental health right now is is so important. I mean, you got, when you think about like people in like the, the situation that you're describing, you know, like that, God, where am I, I going to get this thing called money? Where am I going to get it right now? I need to go get it. I got, I got to feed my kid. I got to, and you become in, into this desperate state where you almost can't care what happens. You have to go get it. Like that's, that's some mental stuff that people go through. And that's some scary depression is, a, I don't even know the stats of it, but depression's got to be at like a, probably at all time high. Right, like you know, when that mind goes, what's that? I said Jinx showed me a soul that we said the same thing. Oh, my yeah. twelve year old self, I mean, <laughs> like no, that. but when that mind goes, you know, that's that's a scary place for people to be out here in the world, and they're seeing people successful, people that got money, but and 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 you don't. How are you going to get it? How are you going to get it? You know, 
it's that's the that's the crazy thing that people go through <laughs> yeah and when you tell people for so long what to do and you give them the ingredients to success whatever those ingredients might have been and you do this for decades you do this for generation to generation you tell them what to do if you do the right things and it can be x y and z if you do the right things you can get these things and you'll be okay so will your family so will their kids and so will their kids kids when you tell them that and then some shit go down like this and all of that was a lie and then you then tell them that they can't do the thing or that we don't know what to tell you. We're sorry. <laughs> hey, yeah. yo, what? So, what do I do now? Because I followed this to a T, and now right. I have nothing at all. Right. What are you going to do? What am I going to do? And they're like, I don't know. I hope that yeah. you saved up some money. I hope that you did this and huh. did that. that was basically, twenty twenty. Yeah, like right. that was twenty twenty when so many people felt like they did everything right. As much right as they can possibly do, they know that they weren't perfect, but man, they tried so hard and none of that shit ended up mattering. Entire industries mm -hmm. evaporated. And so mm -hmm. did the confidence and the trust of the people who were sold this lie. If they do this, see, and nothing that they were sold was empowering. It never put them into a position of power or of some balance uh, or, or, or them having any kind of authority in their life. No, it said, Hey, count on us and our products. Mm -hmm. They won't fail you. They were sold this program. They, they took that pill and these were the side effects. This is the result. So it's going to be even tougher because of all of the things that JC had mentioned, but also you lost the trust. Mm hmm. And that's not something that people are just born with. It's, oh, I was just born in America. Therefore, I trust. Nah, they've been betrayed. People feel betrayed. And I can't mm -hmm. speak to why people feel betrayed. So that's the complicated part, too. Is I might feel betrayed by this place for many different reasons than why someone else might feel betrayed. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole lot of core tangling. You know what I'm saying? All right, so that's an interesting thought. So, Dan, have you seen Judas and the Black Messiah yet? I don't think so. I don't think so. Okay, it's got Daniel, was it Kulaya in it? The guy Kulaya. from Get Out. Is that on Netflix right now? It's on HBO Max. Okay. You know, no, it's like a streaming platform in the world, but, you know, it take you two hours extra to watch a movie, but it's still a good movie. <laughs> HBO, <laughs> insert your ad here. <laughs> Right, baby, not to talk about your bullshit-ass streaming service, HBO Max, that everybody hates. We you also know, love you, HBO Max. Insert your ad here. <laughs> Nobody likes HBO Max. Everybody <laughs> logs into HBO Max for one month at a time to watch whatever that show is for that month, and then they cancel their motherfucking payment for the next eight months until the next good hot shit come on HBO Max. And I, HBO Max, <laughs> I'm not lying. They read, they read their own numbers. They're like, we suck. Yes, you do. I'm just confirming it here on the Jesse County show. <laughs> but you can't pay me to not say that. Uh, it's still true, but I won't say it. You see how that works? HBO, I'm a, I'm if you can find it in your heart to forgive, <laughs> then it says your ad here. Who needs forgiveness? It's going to fuck with them. They, they, uh, they stock about to be worth the same as GameStop. I don't need their forgiveness. <laughs> They're like, don't say that. That's the, that's the flammatory. 
no, no. The fact that your website buffers on the fucking internet in America, that's that's deflammatory, motherfuckers. Who's seen, who's even seen buffering on the internet since like 2013, bro? Since like PlayStation 2, I have not seen a fucking system buffer. And you go to HBO Max and that shit just give you three dots and start moving in a circle. I'm like, get the fuck out of this. No Kia cell phone technology ass internet server. Check your internet connection, man. You blamed all nah, the HBO nah, for your nah, internet speed or like nah, that. Come on, man. Work, the files, my Netflix man. work, my Amazon Prime work, my Disney Plus work. All of y'all can definitely throw some money in the Jazzy Comedy Show because y'all have incredible services that I enjoy and I pay for annually, not just by month. Like oh, you whore. elitist? Come on, HBO, man. HBO Max. HBO Max is a whore that you sleep with on every blue moon. Excuse me, JC, but you're you're that's an advertiser of ours. Okay, can you take it easy? <laughs> Darn it! There, come on, JC, again with the advertiser. You know who I would love to get an advertisement from Mike Tyson Cannabis Company though. That's what I'm looking for. So you got you got a network into Mike Tyson, Mr. Dan Joven. That that's what I'm talking about. Everybody's always talking about the cannabis out here in LA. I got this unbelievable product. It's called Dwink. I have this this water. It's a CBD water. It's unbelievable. It's it's diluted with different different things, different chemicals. It's all health related. But I gotta tell you a story. Can I tell you a story? I'm gonna tell you anyway. If you don't want, it, I'm gonna tell you anyway. Mike Tyson, I can't, I can't tell you no. Come on, Iron Mike, <laughs> tell us the story, Iron Mike. So when I when I was a kid, I used to go up and down the buildings getting all the pigeons. I was hanging out with these dudes. With I used to get the pit. They would throw the bricks down at me. They were trying to kill me, but I didn't have anybody around. So I was hanging out with these dudes. They were badass, badass motherfuckers. So one time I went to a party. This guy asked me to go to a party. I went to the party and everybody turned around. They were looking at me. They were standing at me. They started laughing at me. I started laughing too because I was all nervous. I didn't know what they was laughing at. And then the guy that invited me to the party, he came over to me. He said, what the fuck are you doing, motherfucker? What are you doing? I said, why, why, why? I don't even know what he's talking about. Why are you so mad? And then I realized I, I, I didn't wash. See, I was wearing the same clothes when I was getting the pigeons. I had tar and pigeon shit all over me. This guy was like, from that moment on, he took me and he gave me all these new clothes. And ever since then, I was always dressed the right way. That's my story. <laughs> <laughs> that's the true, that's the true story that he told. He told, so I, I find him fascinating, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson. Guy, Have you seen Hot yeah, Boxing? He, yeah, Hot Boxing. I love his podcast. He yeah, is a sage. He is a one of one individual. I love his wisdom. I He's love my happiness. I love his journey, man, because I'm telling you, he was on the other side of this life that oh. he's currently living in oh, the nineties and shit, man. The people have written him off. Plus they you know, they kind of painted him as a brute and not a thinker and not a philosopher. This dude is a He's such a thinker. He's such he, a thinker, man. If Mike Tyson can change, anybody can change. And you know what? He went through so much. He went through like being thrown into the uh, into that world of success and and like the training that he went through. He was he he said that Casamano taught him to think like he was a god. He was like, and he talks about how he hates even thinking. Like someone talk, talking about his belt. He's like, I don't even like that motherfucker. Every time I think about that motherfucker, like he starts to get emotional. 
He does a lot of crying there. He gets, it's wild to see that, to see him. And then he talks about, I love when he starts talking about happiness and then he, and he goes, but what is happiness? And he starts to get deep about happiness. It's, it's so profound. It's, it's unbelievable. What his, I find him fascinating. I love Tyson. He did the toad. Yeah, the toad knows. I, I, I tell you a story when I did the toad the first time. Tell hey, <laughs> tell the listen, listenership. You're you're for a treat. Tell us the story about the toad the first time. You and Evan. So the first time, first time I did the toad, I start I start getting. I was scared. I saw all these white motherfuckers around me. I was like, oh, these white boys gonna give me this shit. So I started getting high. I was like, all oh, these white boys are gonna try to kill me. And I went up. I was so scared. I wanted to come down. But then when I got up there, I was like. I like this. I don't want to come down. And I saw God, God, it was, it was a connection to God. And then when I started coming down, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't want to come down no more. I want to stay up there. I love the toad. <laughs> <laughs> I hope the Eben rejoins too. Because, you know, Eben was the uh, co-host of the podcast. Oh, yeah. What happened to him? So there was a small post that he put up there on YouTube and I watched this about eight minutes long. I recommend you watch that. He handled it in all things considered in as good a possible way as you can do. Like he didn't shit on the show. He didn't shit on Mike. He big up like he, like he, you know, he big it up to everything. Um, he, you know, just a difference of, uh, I think that some other people are in Mike's ear. I don't know. And then Evan wasn't cool with that. So he just kind of like, I'm going to be over here until y'all get your minds right. That sort of thing. I do believe like he wasn't blaming Mike himself for anything. It is an encroachment of other interests. And I think, and I think that these other interests are affecting the way that the podcast itself is going to go and run probably because it's become a much bigger thing. And I don't know, man, but their dynamic was interesting because you have two equally weird dudes (laughs) high as fuck and trying to figure all of this life shit out and it's fascinating plus the way that they do it no color but with that red ring all of it was an ambiance and an atmosphere and everyone even held cyborg from uh used to fight in the ufc's now bellator even cyborg like you were like Everyone's there and they're all talking about the hard part. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like as deep yeah. as conversations can possibly go, it's all X plus one over yeah. there. Every um, pop, like every single part, no matter who is on the show, even Henry yeah. Cejudo, everyone's yeah. like, yo, Uncle Mike. So he's kind of yeah. occupy, he's occupying that kind of space. And he has this Tyson Ranch, which is his foray into the cannabis industry. And I think that that's going to be tremendous because I know that Rogan, that's pretty much all of his weed. I, I think he's just yeah. supplied by Tyson Ranch ever since Tyson when he did wow. the episode the first time. Um, and I think that that's going to be it's probably like the best shit in the world if it's healing Mike Tyson. Though, just think about it. Like all yeah. the trauma he's going through, mm-hmm. his shit is probably just his weakest shit will probably like make you see Jesus or something. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. because you got to think like how 
weed already works cellular into your body to like relax you, calm you, allows you to think through processes and stuff. And to be able to process all of that trauma, I think about, cause and to even be able to talk about it, right? You think about sexual assault, it's hard for women to talk about sexual assault. It's 10 times harder for men to talk about sexual assault. When you've been accused talks- of it, hell yeah, that's gotta be hard, man. And, well, spending- well, and I'm, I'm talking about it from the perspective of being accused of it and having been raped as a child. He talks about having been raped mm-hmm. as a child and how that played a lot into his anger and his, uh, basically his, his d- demeanor on earth. You know what I'm saying? And to be able to process all of that, I think is incredible. And it makes me also think about like the whole country doesn't often get an old black man to listen to. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, just think about it. Like we had Bill Cosby, fuck him. I mean, God bless him for what he did for the college kids. But outside of that, right, fuck him. Um, but we had Bill Cosby, maybe Denzel to say something every now and then. Cornell West as an academic, you'll get some of those types. Your preachers, your Reverend Jesse, but nobody's listening to them motherfuckers, right? Nobody's listening to Al Sharpton, Reverend Jesse Jackson. You maybe get a few people listening to Farrakhan, but Mike Tyson being like on TV since what early 80s and then now we're four or five decades later and being able to just like watch a man's transformation and a black man transformation from the time where you know he was born he was born pre-civil rights so that's why he was able to get raped and nobody was doing anything about it because who the fuck gave shit about a little black boy in 1970s you know what i'm saying what was going on in the household um and so i think to be able to watch all of that is really it's transformational for the country, right? It's like, it's transformational for all of us. Like, I mean, I can think about there's men in my family who've been raped. You know what I'm saying? There's women in my family who've been raped and I can't say that they've all got over it. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's some hope at the end of the line when you see a brother like Mike Tyson, you His- know what I'm saying? Knowing everything that he's been through um, and knowing that he'd been beat up as a child and he's been beat up commercially institutionally you know what i'm saying and yeah had money whatever money doesn't solve problems right he's had to fight in like every aspect of his life you know what i'm saying emotionally spiritually physically like and and yet he can just walk like almost in his zen like state today that shit's fucking it's kind of amazing you know what i'm he, saying he admits so much of like himself, his fault. He he opens up his soul to everybody, and he and he talks about his mistakes. Like that's refreshing because sometimes we get stubborn, you know. So when you see someone like that remove his, he talks about the ego, you know. So I think I think he's great for doing that, showing that 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 side of him that says, you know what, we're all fucked up. You know, we all do. We all have things inside that. You know, we can change and we can improve. And I just find him fascinating, man. He's able to yeah. do that. To come out there and pour his soul out to everybody. He's an open book. That's that's big time. Yeah. You know? I think that's a person tapping into their God self. Like, you know, like really manifesting like that God power where it's like you're like a God on earth now. It's like, yeah, I've done good. I've done bad. I'm, I'm learning from it all. I'm gaining wisdom from it. I'm not, I'm not shaming myself out of, from the good or the bad idea. I'm not elating myself for the good or the bad idea. I just recognize it and I'm present with it. 
You want to talk about it? Like that is like a God being to me. You know what I'm saying? Because it's just like truly anytime anybody think they pray, whether they Buddhist or Muslim or Christian or Jewish or whatever, you want to pray to whatever God you're praying to in the present. You want to deal with you very present. And when a man or woman can deal with the world in the present, I'm not trying to shape a persona off the past or re-justify or give you some belief in the future. No, this is today right now. That is, I think, the closest we get to being like this universal spirit being, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. His redemption is rare. His level of redemption is rare. And that's, I find myself just when I'm listening or just when I'm watching and observing his moves, I'm, I'm just like, I think of from the very first moment I saw dude and then you just watched every step of the way because they publicized his entire life. All of the pitfalls, all of the decisions he made, all of the bad business deals that might have happened, all of the violence, everything, his entire lifespan was publicized. And so we got to, and, and that was a rare thing too, right? For someone that young to become someone of such enormity and mm-hmm. immensity. And so we got to see the whole thing full circle you never really see the human lifespan like that go full circle usually you either become a hero or right you become a villain Mm -hmm, you know and that's what kind of like jay-z was saying he's like dark knight feeling you know you know like they see you as a hero or or you live long enough to become the villain yeah but it happened (laughs) like it like it was the opposite for uh, well, yeah, he proved that wrong with Mike. But yeah. see, so you talk about that, make me think of like OJ Simpson and how he should have took some notes from Mike Tyson because when Mike Tyson just came out, you know, clean with everything that he experienced in life, and you know, just walked that shit out like a like a like I said, God being OJ Simpson's like, I didn't murder nobody, but if I did, here's a book about it. Like you bitch ass <laughs> nigga, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, there's nothing he can do. <laughs> you already time. Yeah, you should have just came out and apologized on some G shit too. Like, look, I fucked up. I was angry. I don't know what you would have did if you'd found a nigga fucking your wife. Like, I don't know. It broke me. And you know what I'm saying? And it would have been a different perspective on how to like process OJ, I think, 30 years after his, you know, situation versus how people process Mike Tyson, you know, 20, 30 years after all this mm-hmm. shit here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and and then, you know, Javante uh, to all your, you know, Hollywood brothers that be, you know, sleeping with little kids and, and raping people. Ain't none of them apologize for shit or came out, you know what I'm saying? Just oh. to be like, hey. Oh, I so those, those are my brothers. I mean, you know, you oh, in the okay. neighborhood. Oh, okay. You know, Listenership, you apparently <laughs> I got some fucking demented, <laughs> demonic beings as brothers. I didn't know. I had no clue this fucking guy. <laughs> My friend, man, when you got friends like this, <laughs> who needs them? Yeah. They don't Damn. need enemies to talk bad about you. I got to cover, bro. You know, I got to cover. Uh, nah, but Eben did say this interesting thing. It was in the podcast. I think Joe Budden was on the pod. Rory and Maul were on the pod. Eben was like, he just had this moment where, and you know, he speaks very... He's very calm and relaxed, but has such control. Like he has this soothing factor. He speaks glacially. So Eben just goes. Glacially. Hold up, man. What the fuck? 
like a glacier? Like Lord's Anyway. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? <laughs> Smarty Island over here. Glacier. Okay, yeah. all right. We gonna, got it. You got it. We're going to have to work on the uh, the sound pad timing, man. The drop timing. <laughs> Look, I, I pressed it earlier, but my volume was turned down. It was kind of like when I was saying, doing the mic check, and I couldn't hear the answer. My volume was turned down. Y'all know I'm not the smartest motherfucking bean in the cookie jar. You feel me? So Eben said, no one can imagine the amount of violence it took to become this gentle. Mm. And it was one of the dopest bars I've ever heard in my entire life. He said, no one will ever know the violence it took to become a man that's gentle. Wow. And I think about Mike, one of the most violent beings of all time, (laughs) to become this human being that we see today and uh-huh. that needs to be celebrated i'm glad that we took the time uh-huh. to do that man like to become a person like this like that gentle although he just had a boxer match but that was because of <laughs> but he, that was, he took uh, it easy on roy jones he took it easy he, he too. really really allowed him to live yes and yeah. that's and that's my favorite boxer of all time roy jones yeah. Jr. Yeah. but i understand Roy Jones Jr. took a breath of fresh air after that fight. He was like, okay, he really didn't kill me. (laughs) He really did. Roy, afterward, he he also said, y'all, everything that Mike Tyson hit me with tonight hurt everything that he hit me with. And that was Mike trying not to crush cans. You know what I'm saying? Because he knows that he can. Like, he, he wasn't hitting him. He wasn't hitting Roy. Like he was hitting that fucking uh the poor pad guy who was helping him train for this fucking fight. He, he wasn't hitting like he was hitting in practice. He wasn't. That was for the cam. That was for us. He couldn't right. go in there and do Roy like that. He was dancing with Roy, and it was yeah. very sweet. It was beautiful. It was, the, it it was, was an exhibition, you know? He won't yeah. go murder him in a town square. He can do a Charmin commercial after that fight. It's like the Jim Swiss <laughs> side of the fight. It's like yeah. the Jim Swiss side. Charmin, you know. I thought I thought it was entertaining, you know. I was like, look at these guys at their age. Well, Tyson looked great. He looked in incredible shape. And mm-hmm. like for him for him to get into that shape, like and he talks about discipline, you know, and he says, uh, what's his line? He goes, discipline's about doing something that you hate, but doing it like you love it. Uh, that Damn. that's his mindset. He, he he's uh, like you hate him out. Yeah, he's 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 incredible, man. That guy's fascinating, fascinating. How boxing is uh, like? They don't even have long episodes, but like, I'm gonna find myself spending hella time watching them because I'll be running back the bars and just playing them again. Yeah. What do you say? No, what do you yeah. say? Yeah, like I need a verb. This shit. <laughs> Like that, that ain't flesh and blood talking, you know. That ain't flesh and blood talking at all. Something <laughs> speaking through him and yeah. to us. He is mm-hmm. just a messenger. His life is just a witness, is just a testimony to what is fucking possible. Despite yeah. how enormous and seemingly insurmountable the odds are, listenership, listen. Like, just yeah. follow his story. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, come on. He he had nothing. Got everything, lost everything, got it back, and then some, and then an empire. Yeah. Like what? Yeah. Like you really need to have the eyes to be able to perceive, and the ears to possibly be able to perceive the lessons, like 
these like there are lessons everywhere, all over the place. Yeah, like, that would be a good five season story. We were talking about like the TV series in the mm-hmm. beginning, and talking about loving a villain, like watching Mike Tyson from like fourteen years old. Yeah. In the boxing and just, you know, season one, season two, going through all his hell and pain and loving him and hating him. And then by season five, six, right, you're on the ranch and he's with Joe Rogan smoking and we're all just in love, crying and just like, oh, my God, it's just such an amazing life story. Like, I think that would be whoever financed that shit. That's going to be like a billion dollar TV series. You know what I'm saying? It'll do incredibly well. And look, and we don't even need an actor to be that can talk like him. We just need an actor to look like him. Dan can talk like him. We just use Dan's voice over the actor's body. <laughs> nah, JC, I know you understand this, but that would be disrespectful. We got to find a motherfucker that can, you know, know what I'm saying, do it. I think Michael Michael J. White played him before in the Jamie film. Jamie, Jamie Foxx played him, right? I think Jamie's going to or was slated yeah, to play him. One of them would be good. Yeah. Okay. Because I think that would Those be. Those Negroes too. So. Yeah. Thinking that. Because hmm. outside of them, I'm like, how? You need to find basically a big ass tank looking Negro with incredible acting skills. But then you just named Michael J. White. And I'm like, well, there's a tank. Yeah. So. That's all you would really yeah. need. Yeah. You know, you have to shoot it in such a, I mean, because they're two radically different sized dudes. Him and Jamie Foxx, but they would make them both look five nine or five ten. So I guess it wouldn't matter too much. Yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, they made Thanos. They can probably make Michael J. White look like Mike Tyson. Well, I think that Michael already played him in the movie. I do believe. Okay. I think. Let me look that shit up. Because I remember Tyson was talking about uh, about Jamie Foxx about how dangerous it's going to be for Jamie Foxx to get into character because of all the deep dark stuff. You know that he's got to prepare for, but I don't. I don't. I guess he's still working on that movie, right? Well, that depends yeah. on Jamie Foxx's pro, uh, process. So Mike is probably under the understanding or assumption that he's a method actor. If he ain't, right. it might not be that dangerous. He can just go to those places and not, and he's just substitute emotions or whatever he's going to do to get to that um, result and not have to live as a fucking dirt bag and a scumbag, and you know this and that, and you know. To bring the character to life, he might have to do that. I would love to see that. Love to see that. I hope they go all the way back to when he was a kid, you know, with yeah. the pigeon. Sure the, the sure tiger. Yeah, the tiger. When he talks about the tigers, too, he's like, I had tigers. That was crazy. Who would do that? Who would do such a thing? And then he gets all emotional. He's, he's so great. He's so entertaining. He got worked up yeah. over that, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He Maybe really did. He, reflects, he gets when he reflects, he 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 gets choked up. He gets so choked up to see that's what I mean. He puts it all out there. He doesn't hold anything. Yeah. You know? It's flowing, it's free flowing. I love that. And him yeah. laughing on his podcast is beautiful. Yeah. Him yeah. getting just tickled to death, man. There's nothing he can do but yeah. just laugh at how insane and absurd his life was. And the fact that he's sitting there and he's able to laugh and sit there as a free man and as a person who was still alive because he was dealing with some of the craziest, like he was dealing with czars and kingpins and promoters and political people. His life was nuts. And somehow no one pulled him apart. Like his life didn't pull him apart. He was able to keep it together enough to not completely get eroded. So this movie was named Tyson 
It came out in 1995. We are ultra late. I was a child. You were a child. Um, Dan, I'm not sure about you. Yeah, I was, uh, where was I? I was in college. I was in college. All right. So you're about the same age as us, uh, Dan. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So Michael Jai played him uh, 26 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yes, the Mandela effect. That's crazy. Yeah. Right. They yeah. just put that out there after the fact. Probably yeah. came out in 2015 and they just programmed us. <laughs> yeah. He played it a long time ago. So now, yeah, the latest person would probably be Jamie Foxx. They got to hurry up, though. I mean, he is not, uh, I mean, he's still in great shape and stuff, but shit. Eventually, he's going to be an old dude. Yeah. Right. Tough to make him look young enough to play, Mike. They need to do the movie and they need to do the series because you can't cover everything you can cover. I mean, a two-hour biopic is great, but to get all the details of that so that we can, like, ride some of the train, the emotional trains that Tyson went, you need I'm sorry. It should be a series. You're right. It should, it should, it should be a film. Yeah. It's already been a movie. We don't need that no more. What we right. need is for us to get I mean, like, really flesh this out. Yeah. Episodes, uh, yeah. Yeah, just make it a nice limited run. You know what I'm saying? It's an amazing story when you think about that. It's story that, kid, that kid running around in Brooklyn with no guidance, just trying to survive, hanging out with some tough dudes, you know? I remember he talked about the first time he, he got into a fight. He said the first time he punched somebody was uh, when this dude took his pigeon and cracked the neck of the pigeon. Mm. And then I knocked him out. That's the first time I knocked somebody out. Mm. That's like that, that. Those early days, man, I'd love to see that. Like this that man. Whole first season. You don't even have to go past his teenage years the first season. And listenership, I'm putting y'all onto something. I might be putting y'all onto something too, Dan and JC. Have y'all seen the Mike Tyson Adventures? He has a cartoon even. A cartoon, yeah, yeah. I uh, be watching that shit sometimes, bro. I'll yeah. be so this podcast <laughs> on my side is brought to you by Blue Dream, one of the greatest trains ever made, ever created and synthesized. <laughs> Blueberry and haze. Shout out to weed. Um, but it's the perfect thing to get baked and watch. It's the Mike Tyson adventures. Yes, pigeons are involved yeah. as well. Hold up, bro. You're not gonna just throw out your little weak ass blue dream strain without me throwing out my strain. I've been actually smoking the whole episode. Y'all hear me choking in the background. Yo, I'm is that this. farmer and the felon? Farmer and the felon. I know the packaging. I smoke so much. <laughs> I saw I the orange band. Huh? This is like the new social justice weed that yeah. cannabis distributors in California are picking up because they have an advocacy group to help get nonviolent cannabis offenders out of prison. And then they hire them and they put them on farms and they got their own cannabis company. So, yeah, this is a lot that I'm smoking on from Farmer and the Felon is 22.78%. Fire. Fire. That that'll get you there. It'll get me there. And I've been mixing it with this honey leaf wedding cake. You know what I'm saying? All from green and the go delivery. This shit 21.77. So it, you know, I'm trying to do the wedding cake and the gelato so I can get where Toronto at. Cause what he didn't tell you is he's smoking on that ice cream, which is basically the the child of gelato and wedding cake, which is fucking ridiculous. Ice cream like, cake. Ice cream yeah. Cake. Ice cream <laughs> cake is uh 
gelato number 33 i want to say and wedding cake when wedding cake yeah. shit you know that yeah, all of it bro that's what I'm saying. But if you're in the Bay Area, Green and Go Delivery got all the good deals for you. They have Valentine's Day specials. They did New Year's specials. These Negroes definitely take care of you. Black on, serve the Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, Walnut Creek area. All the deals. Tell them Jazzy Comedy Show sent you. And uh, Jay over there going to take care of you. You feel me? Everybody cool got Jay in their name. Obviously, Dan Joven, Jay from the Cannabis Shop, J.C. Rowe. Javante Jowler, apparently, because I'm not fucking cool. Because my my naming I know Jay nowhere near my letters. You know what? When I use when I say your name on the verb app, it does have a J. It is Javante. Oh. It's not Javante. Well, there it is. There, all right, then. There it is. There. There it is. There then. All right, then. All right, cool then. <laughs> Look, I hope that somebody listening to the show will like. Put, pull together a syndicate to like finance this Mike Tyson series. You feel me? That would be awesome. I hope we inspire somebody to do that shit today. Yeah, they ought to be. I'm pretty sure it's I just think it's the easy series, yeah. Mm-hmm. Hella jobs, you know what I'm saying? They are corona-friendly jobs because Mike Tyson's just going to be beating up the people, so you ain't really got to do a lot of talking face-to-face, you know? <laughs> so, not, much, so much material. That's so probably much. your bump. Yeah, he, he man, he probably talking a lot probably a lot to say God, like when I'm we get into the, the nitty gritty back into the beyond you know all the behind the scenes shit the shit that we yeah. don't know he talked about like partying with those uh with those billionaires like think like on the yachts and stuff he's like he was talking about how much money i remember him talking about a chain he had like i had, I had a seven million dollar necklace Seven million dollars. I don't even know where it is. I lost. <laughs> Dog, what a charm. And, and, and they got upset. He's like, I said, I used that to help somebody. I, you know, so he always comes back with a good message. You know, but he did lose a seven million dollar necklace, diamond thing. But if he hadn't, have, he would have been able to help with it. <laughs> like, bro, but see, that's good. He telling them stories though, because then you get cast like little baby. You know, young rapper in his 20s, he dropped a single like in October. Forgive me, y'all, for not knowing the name, but your little baby fans, y'all know the name of whatever it's, single he dropped. It's okay to not know. Yeah. He he made $1.4 million off this single, though, in like uh, the first week of dropping it. He then, and this is why I know the story from the political side, he then turned around and went on a Southern tour throughout like basically what we would call the Chitlin circuit. So from Jackson, Mississippi, Memphis, uh, Tennessee, Birmingham, Alabama, and he bought winter coats from Walmart and dropped them off in all these neighborhoods uh, along these like cities in the South or whatever. And it was like, that's a different way of moving for a young rapper that's in the bill on the billboard charts. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. it, make a big deal about it. like it wasn't on cnn or nothing it wasn't in new york times i wouldn't have known about it if it wasn't for knowing the council member in birmingham who was working with him and was just like brad this man bought thousands of coats and basically if you got a coat that wasn't your size little baby already paid walmart enough money for you to take your coat to walmart and exchange it for a coat that was your size to make sure you had the right coat for the winner wow nice and fucking nice. incredible and that's just shit, like, I feel like the OG cats are inspiring the younger cats by being able to provide the game and the wisdom from their life. And again, I go back to that. We didn't have a lot of OGs to listen to 
over the last 30, 40 years, I saw the Bill Cosby threatening all black people across the country. You know what I'm saying? Telling us we weren't doing all right. Um, now we got cats that's actually spitting game. You know what I'm saying? And it's game that can be used. It's not just like go to church or pull your pants up. And, you know, it's like, oh, shut the fuck up. You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's like, nah, I could have spent, I could have did something with my $7 million. Like, you know, Jay-Z's like, oh, I could have bought a $2 million in Brooklyn. And then it would have went up to $25 million. Look, I feel like a dumbass because I ain't make that investment. And then got cats thinking like, damn, I need to make investments too. And so I think that's the healthy part. It's like, as much as I talk about America crumbling, I feel like because of the arts, our society is actually evolving. Mm-hmm. And so we might butterfly out this motherfucker. Who knows? You know? I think that we will. And it takes moments in our times like these to humble a, a nation so grand in scope and scale to get us to a point. A, it's kind of a critical point in our existence, really. It's not going to be met. It, like it's not going to not be met with incredible resistance. You see what I'm saying? Because again, right on the other. So if we were to expand that right on the other side of all of this angst, you know, this existential angst that our nation is currently undergoing right now could be a much better version of whatever the fuck this shit was all along. Cause what we're sick of and tired of right now is what this shit ended up being all along, everyone got to see the wizard behind the sheet of Oz all at the same time. And so I think that beyond that now, now that we've gotten that shit out of the way, we've been spending 2020 getting a lot of this shit out of the way. A lot of shit that no one else but us knew about. Now everyone on the earth knows about. From there, we can get some things done. Because now there are no secrets as to how this motherfucker runs and who runs it and the conditions of the people here. There is no secret anymore. Everything's out from under that rug. And from here, we can grow this bitch into something that's fucking dope and that we can be proud of when we travel this beautiful planet again. You know what I'm saying? So I think that uh, you have to, it just harkens back to you have to destroy to rebuild. And it's not always you know, um, Mad Max Fury Road. And sometimes it is, or it gets to that. Sometimes it's got to get to that. It takes a whole lot to stop inertia as powerful as the American one. And this whole American dream thing, it takes a lot of stopping power to stop something like that. And it's fucking tracks. And we ran into something that fucking did. So in that, I think that one, my heart, our hearts, you know, go out to everyone who's lost. Um, someone near and dear to them. And I know that a lot um, have been going through that this year and last year, you know, all combined. But you also got to see the opportunity in in this here crisis. And you also have to understand and see the blessings in it all. You know, like there's no rhyme or reason sometimes, but man, everything really doesn't furl the way that it's going to regardless. And I think that what makes us powerful is how we choose to move from here, how we choose to respond. It's always about how you respond to shit, you know? And I think mm-hmm. that, you know, for the first time in everyone's um, life, everyone at the same time has been in this reflective kind of trance and state for a long mm-hmm. period of time. You know, we've been able to bury ourselves in just typical American life. We've been able to bury ourselves at the club or in a bar or at some kind of establishment. We've been able to not have a conversation with ourselves our entire lives until now. Not anymore. Not anymore. It's quiet. 
It's quiet as fuck out there. But man, people's heads, what's going on inside of them is screaming at them louder than ever to take some kind of action, to find some kind of authority in your life, to re-examine what it is that you think that this life is supposed to give you or, or what you're supposed to give this fucking life so that you can get that yield and that return. Whatever it's going to be, I think that this is going to be a better situation ultimately and it takes this kind of pain to truly grow. Straight up. Y'all. Love it. Mr. Dan Joven, it's truly been a pleasure and an honor having you on the Jazzy Comedy Show on the I Mean Podcast. Uh, you have any final words that you want to leave with the people? I'm just uh, honored to be on this, man, and to meet you guys. What a blessing. You know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, more conversations like this, I think, help people. So, and stay positive and, and keep your mind clear, you know, that's it. Just keep going. But like, this has been beautiful. Thank you so much for having me. This it's a pleasure. Be, this won't be the last time, brother. Thank you, man. Thank you. Love it. Love it. Incredible. Incredible to meet you guys. Likewise, thank you. Likewise. Likewise, brother. And thank you. Um, and I wish you and your family the very best, you know, just all of the health in the world, the happiness and the joy in the world, man. And, uh, shout out to you for doing what you doing, man. Like you, JC, like this shit is not easy. Like I'm a single dude. I don't have the kind of issues that you, you men have, but I'm, I'm, I'm telling you this shit is, you know, he said, just separate the men from the fucking boys, man. And I just, you know, my, you know, just. My heart goes out to y'all, you know, all the parents out there, all of the the families out there that are just trying their very best. One, to keep themselves together, much less keep their family members together. Those are other individuals with their own fucking problems. So all under one roof. So salute to you too, man. And salute to everyone out there in the world, um, out there in Singapore, out there in Germany, out there in France, listenerships all over the world, New South Wales, like America. Um, just shout out to you guys, you know, and just give yourself more credit. Give yourself a lot more fucking credit and also know that there's plenty of fucking work to do. And that starts at the house and y'all in the house. So get that fucking mm-hmm. work done. <laughs> I love y'all. God bless you guys. God bless. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank, you. Hey, thank you again for joining us. Y'all check out Dan Joven at danjoven.com and all of his incredible impersonations and voice acting we're going to be verbing this all fucking week so if y'all got any comments y'all want to give us some thoughts and y'all think y'all can you know do it better please like you know let's see how good you can fuck you feel me (laughs) (laughs) yo get on verb go to the apple uh app store download that shit to talk your shit and guess what you can't hide behind no motherfucking words because it's going to be nothing but your voice. It's voice driven. It's powered by the voice. It's powered by you. So you get to curate all of these beautiful moments in podcast history on our podcast and on any of your favorite podcasts. It don't matter which ones. So what's the motherfucking verb? We out this bitch. Follow uh, Dan Joven. Shout out to the Jazzy Comedy Show. Shout out to I Me. How 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 am I gonna shout out my own fucking podcast? Shout out to me, huh? I'm gonna shout you out. Shout out to the I Mean podcast. <laughs> and, and just uh, you know, last story on Verb that I think is really cool is 
what y'all don't know is Dan Joven almost got Adam Sandler ass whooping on the verb app. Right. <laughs> he came in with the Adam Sandler name, Adam Sandler picture, Adam Sandler voice. He was responding to one of my random threats on the Jazzy Comedy Show. He was like, bring it on. I can't even do it how he did it. It was great. And I even let my wife play. I was like, did Adam Sandler just tell me to bring along? And I was like, I was ready to go whoop Adam Sandler ass and give him a whole Detroit style, you know, piece of ass whooping. And I had to calm down because well, I'm, I'm happy that you calmed down. That was good for you. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been, Jesse, like, that would have been an unhappy Madison, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Look, looking like Price is Right fighting him on Happy Gilmore. You feel me? <laughs> <laughs> thank you again Dan Joven you're incredible you're a great blessing to you thank you so much my brother for the enemies, gray sweats, white LMAX pennies, first edition, vintage magic, satin starter jacket, go perfect with them, pro ball and regulations, Spalding Wilson, y'all some nerf niggas, you play that game around here, you might get hurt nigga, the South still got something to say, jet life all day, self-made millionaire, I done that shit my own way, life behind the mask, have the cars there when we land, sliding with my H-Town partner, we in the slab studio, later on that's millionaires in the lab Watch cost a car The car cost a house Changing lives off of rap But it's bigger than that Recalibrating then attack Cause the game changed so fast I think about my young homie He be out on the app He's super talented But he's so in love with the streets I swear it make me sad I tell him about that shit Like every chance I have But I respect it here Young boss and he in his bag I hope the industry recognizes Superstar flag and you leave that life in the past Put all his homies on so they don't crash Invest that money smart and make it last Grow something fat and watch his empire expand Chevy's on switch, baby. You smoke weed and it don't go through in your pictures. You can keep a secret, we can always kid it. Hitting switches on shelf, highway dipping. Rule number one, don't talk about me, Ryan, your nigga. That's your dad, have a suspicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bring me by my LA woman, she got the gas. Sliding with my H-Town partner, we in the slab. By my Miami bitch, she got the fake ass. But she make real cash in the flash. Shout out to my motherfucking brother, Spit Andromeda, Spit Andretti, Priest Andretti, motherfucking the king of jet life himself, Spitter. Ah, uh, shout out to Currency, man. The name of that song is motherfucking Misty. And I can't wait till the new project come out because you know something's coming out soon and you know how you do. Shout out to the JLR, Jet Life, uh, Jet Life Recordings, the Jazzy Comedy Show, my motherfucking brother, JC, motherfucking Roll the Fourth. And I'm Monkey D. Trafonte on everything. Verb that shit.